everyone! You're listening to Hotel Vicarious, a podcast where two best friends talk about all their favorite TV shows and movies. This week on A Countdown to Bridgerton, we're recapping the personal history of David Copperfield. Hello, listeners. Check out our friends Kai and Shar over at Love and Murder. Love and Murder is a weekly true crime podcast discussing relationships gone terribly wrong. They're unique because they tell each case in the form of a story with mystery, suspense, and a little bit of humor sprinkled on top. The humor is never at the expense of the victims. Head on over to www.murderandlove.com, that's love and murder backwards, murderandlove.com, to get your weekly true crime fix. And remember, all love and no murder. Hey, Jenny. Hello, Daria. How goes it? Well, I don't have COVID yet. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that, that ominous yet. <laughs> Uh, no, I have like a cold because it was really beautiful on the weekend and I was like, it's spring. And so I wore just a puffy vest <laughs> and a sweater when I had to go out on Saturday and it was actually still really cold. <laughs> <laughs> and then I woke up on Monday and I was like, I have a cold. <laughs> so that's why my voice sounds a little bit weird today, guys. It sounds sultry. Oh, thank you. Yes. It's <laughs> the vibe I'm going for. That's right. Sickly, sultry, it's beautiful. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm okay. It's a it's windy as hell here and mm-hmm. I don't know if it's cuz we live on a hill, but I feel like my house is just sort of going yeah. <laughs> it's like creaking constantly. And it was hilarious. I Took my dog out last night, you know, nighttime walk, and the wind was howling so hardcore that he lost his mind. He was like, this is danger. There is danger here. Uh, I don't want to go any further. I will just not pee. I will suffer, but I'm not. He kept darting in between my legs and sitting or running back to our front door and sitting and going, I'm ready. Take me inside. Let me in. Take me inside. And I'm thinking, okay, oh bud, I didn't want to take you out. It's cold anyway. Like, let's <laughs> go back in. Yeah. Oh my god. My husband was like, "Did he? Aww. Did you do anything?" And I was like, "Uh, no." I ran around <laughs> in circles trying to get him to pee, no. and then he cr- he came back inside. So it was oh, cute no. though. He was so scared. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at his trauma, Poor but thing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> kind of funny. Aww. Poor Gus. Yeah, we got that wind on, I guess, Sunday. Whatever. Yeah, or Monday. No, we got it Monday. Yeah, Monday. So, because I think we're like kind of like just, be- we get the, the dreads, whatever weather yeah. I get, you get like a day later. We're yeah, like yeah, yeah. Hours behind <laughs> each other. Yeah, <laughs> basically. So today we are recapping uh, the personal history of David Copperfield, which is a 2019 comedy drama based on the 1850 Victorian era novel David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. And you may be wondering, Jenny, Daria, why are you doing a Victorian era novel uh, in your countdown to Bridgerton, which clearly takes place in the Regency era? And that is because the internet lied to us. And we were too lazy to do research. And because we do what we want and Dev Patel makes us do whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, we had to. We had to. There was only one option and it was to do this movie. So yeah, is it later in the Regency? Yes. Is it still like technically England times according to Heaving Bosoms? Yes. So you know what? We're going to go. We're going to take a page out of the Heaving Bosoms podcast and... We are just going to lump it all together. It was fucking delightful. It was so good. Like, I have not enjoyed a movie like that. And it was like, there was some pretty, like, intense moments. But, like, it was so, like, 
really joyful for the most and part. And it was 119 minutes, which is a respectable movie yeah. length. I'm sorry. I, I, I just got out of the Batman. And as much as I liked it, it was really long. And I just am dying. I'm begging. Write it on my tombstone. Stop making three-hour movies. It is it's so long hours? it needs an intermission. Like, listen, if you want to make a long movie, give me a 10-minute bathroom break smack dab in the middle. I, I, It's fine. I'll go. But give me a break. I know. Remember way back in 1997 when they did Titanic and it had to be on two VHS tapes, so they had to do uh, intermission in the middle? I had that box back set. those days, guys. Me too. I will I never forget it, watching it at home. And my mother decided to stand in front of the television during the nude scene. She thought, well, <laughs> you can hear the dialogue. That's fine. But you cannot see Kate Winslet's breasts. Absolutely not. And she got up. <laughs> breasts? She got up and just hugged the screen. And it was like, don't worry about what's happening here. Oh, my God. This is fine. Normal behavior. Oh my god, your mother's nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the like, 90s. Walk in front of the TV during the sex scene in the the car. It's just a hand, Daria. You didn't know what was going they on. Were, they were they wrestling. Were noises a little bit. Wrestling <laughs> noises. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my god. Okay. <clears throat> Back on track. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we are going to be talking about this delightful film. It stars Dev Patel, Peter Capaldi, Hugh Laurie, Tilda Swinton, Ben Whishaw. The list goes on and on. It is, like, such a stellar cast. I love it, it so much. It was so well done. I do want to talk about the casting because I, first of all, Dev Patel is so charming. He was just the perfect choice to play David mm-hmm. Copperfield. Um, but I just really thoroughly enjoyed the color blindness of the casting. I thought that that was a really fun yeah, it- approach to something this. We fooled you guys. That was our twist. That's how we <laughs> related it to Bridgerton. That's our connection <laughs> to Bridgerton. <laughs> just kidding. See, we knew what we were doing all along. <laughs> But they actually did a really great job with it and went, I would say, even further than Bridgerton. And it was kind of fun. I don't know. I just think all of the characters were, the actors were so great that we just got to see a bunch of really amazing actors. Yeah. I mean, it's like do what they do when best. it first starts, right? So we can, you know, we'll, we'll start from the very, very beginning. We, we see, and I love, and I'm going to maybe show my ass a little bit, but I've never read David Copperfield. So if this happens in the book, oh, no, correct neither me. But like, I love that it starts off with an adult David Copperfield getting ready to present the show. And then it goes into this beautiful like storytelling scene and you get to watch him be there at his own birth. Yes. I loved that. But yeah, what I loved even more was that his mother, white. Uh, Tilda Swinton, who plays his aunt, white. Therefore, possibly his father, who died, you know, off screen, probably also white. And then you just have, like, beautiful Dev Patel popping out, and he's cute as hell and great. I know. So great. It really is. Um, And I just – I don't know. I just – it has such a beautiful the the film it's itself like is a just Candyland, yeah. Like the the colors, it is, and it's like I mean, look, I just started watching one of the new episodes of that Vikings Valhalla, and you know, I really it's one of the things that I actually hate about Vikings in general is yeah. their terrible camera. Like, I just, I can't. It's all green and blue and, like, so hard to watch. The night scenes are horrendous. Um, Anyway, but before I, I don't want to get on a tangent, but just to say that, like, this film felt so bright and the, like, yellows and greens and I don't know. It just was, like, it was just such yeah. a joy to watch visually Yeah, it was visually as well. stunning. I mean, Armando Iannucci is, is very well known for just, 
beautiful like cotton candy coloring and he works with mm-hmm. amazing cinematographers. Zach Nicholson is incredible at what he does. There were so many scenes that I wanted to screenshot and just be like, oh me, I want that. I want that. Like just so beautiful. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, it really was. It was and you know I I get you know I haven't seen I hadn't read the book like you said you know I haven't I haven't read a lot of Charles Dickens I mean I I read what I had to yeah had to being but I I uh... I haven't you know yeah I haven't really read a lot of it but it was I I really enjoyed it I thought like yeah there were some scenes that are pretty brutal like right at the beginning you know of his life he's living you know sort of he's living with his mother uh, who is widowed. And he has this sort of like wonderful life at their house. It's just him and his mother and the nanny. And then him and the nanny go to Yarmouth, which is where her brother lives, right? It's her brother. Yeah, it's her brother. Her brother and his two adopted children. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so they they have this sort of like amazing sort of – I think it's like a sum, the summer, right? I think is what – it's kind of, kind of yeah, seems like this, it's during I the mean, summer. Time moves in a peculiar way in this film. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Basically, we see that like he's sent away with his nanny because a, a male mm-hmm. caller comes to the house to yes. sort of woo his mother. And yeah. no one wants him around while that's happening. So – Gets to spend the summer in Yarmouth, which, you know, if your mom's going to marry a total piece of shit, you might as well get a fun summer out of it. Yeah, exactly. And he really is a total piece of shit. Yes. So we meet Mr. Murdstone. And I mean, what I do know of Dickens is that a lot of a lot of his naming conventions are very much like on the nose, you know, like, yes, or or they uh, bring a a thought to mind and so merge stone is very much like oh yeah okay yeah that makes sense because right all fun ceases to exist when he's around right yeah yeah and this is one of those moments right after um he finds out that his mother has married mr merge stone um you know that he's He's kind of like bullied by his new stepfather and his step aunt, who is the I okay, Gwendolyn Christie, like my dear Brienne from Game of Thrones, who I love so much. She's just oh, she's so good in this this movie. She is so evil yeah. and so terrible but she does it so, so well wow and she's she's just so tall like Gwendolyn Christie is a, is a very tall mm-hmm. woman and just like what they dress her in just makes her almost like this sort of menacing force yeah she's like over a lady <laughs> she really is <laughs> she's very she's very harsh and so is uh, her brother and there is this one scene where he absolutely beats the crap out of David, which w- is off screen, thankfully, but it was still pretty brutal. Yeah, it's um, it's horrible. You, you, you do perhaps assume that Clara, his mother, as a widow, probably doesn't have too much to her name, and maybe. The money yeah. that they did have from her, um, from David's father's, maybe running out. And we don't really know for sure what the desperation is to be with a man like Murdstone. But right. she also seems to be very, like, sheepish about it when David comes back from Yarmouth. She's like, oh, yeah, this is your new pa. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Like, this is how it's got to be. Yeah. And immediately, Mr. Murdstone's sister comes in, and the two of them are like these two dark, menacing forces, and they bully David about everything. Yeah. And it's, I think this is where he develops his inability to read in public because of the shame he feels. And it Mm -hmm. sort of is something he carries with him through the rest of his life. Yeah, that scene was rough, and it, was so depressing because 
pretty much right after that, the Murdstones send him to work in the factory in London, and he never sees his mother ever again. No, no, he does not. Because she, the next time, so we kind of see him, we see him in his new sort of, you know, working in this factory in London, which is like, you know, industrial revolution, children working in factories, very Victorian London, (laughs) you know, and it's a bottle factory. And, you know, every time you break a bottle, like, you know, your wages get docked or you get beaten or who knows what. So, you know, it's pretty like it's pretty terrible um, conditions for him. And that's when we're also introduced to the macabres. Yeah, the macabres. Who are Macabras? Yeah, beautifully, Mister Macabra is beautifully played by Peter Capaldi. Oh my gosh! And it's actually so. I mean, it's funny, right? Like they send him away to work in this factory, and he's living with people who are in very massive, massive, massive debt, and so like there is no mm-hmm. rest for Baby David Copperfield. He's either None working in a factory all. or helping his like foster parent and run away from debtors all of the time right and then you know time like you said kind of just jumps forward and we see you know david is now a young man he's still working at murdstones which i thought was like it surprised me because i was like what you know so he's still working at murdstones he's still living with the macabras um and one of the things that he we note about david is that he's been jotting quotes by people important in his life he's been like writing down little bits of what they say and it's just sort of an interesting sort of little moment that we don't really quite know why or how it will come to play later but it's just kind of an interesting thing that he sort of does now yes and it's interesting too because no matter what david has put through he does sort of figure out how to make the best of it like He goes from not really understanding how to function in the factory to then becoming the kind of mentor in charge of all of the young kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, considering what his life became, he still has this like pep in his step a little bit, which is very admirable until we find out that the like a few things happen. Um, The macabres are driven out of their house by bailiffs. Right. Who also sees everything they own and almost some of David's things until he can like go and and fetch his box, which has all of his little um, quotes and stories that he's been jotting down. Um, He has to like sleep outside on the ground. It's like so miserable. I know. Mm -hmm. And then when he goes into work, he finds out that his mother died. Yes. And it's, yeah, brutal. Like, the movie has a very light tone. It's very whimsical. But those, like, those yeah. darker moments really hit you hard. Like, I was so upset for they him. They do. I know. And, like, his terrible stepfather and his terrible step aunt are there basically, like, rubbing it in his face that, oh, she's dead. Oh, no, we already buried her. Like, you don't even get to say goodbye. Like, there's nothing. We're just telling you. Yeah, and he goes batshit. And, like, I loved this scene so much because he breaks hundreds of bottles on his way out. Hundreds of bottles, yeah. And there's that great scene with his boss who's like, for every bottle broken, that's half a day's wages. And David responds, Mm -hmm. like, half of nothing is still nothing. Like, what do I have to lose? Yeah, exactly. I have nothing. Why, like... You know, he feels now that his mother's gone, he doesn't have anything. He doesn't have a home. He doesn't he he doesn't have even a house yeah. that he had with, you know, the macabres. He has nothing. So, yeah, it's really just this amazing sort of, like, moment for him. And he just, like, starts smashing everything. And then he leaves and all of the little kids are, like, cheering, so you good. know. Uh, in that moment, though, he finds out that his Aunt Betsy Trotwood, who we do meet in the very beginning, played by Tilda Swinton, is his mm-hmm. only living relative. And yes. So he goes on an adventure to Dover, which is where his wealthy aunt lives, and their her beautiful mm-hmm. house. Oh god! And <laughs> such a such an insane kind of montage because he's 
he starts off fully clothed with his little box. And then by the time he actually arrives, he's barefoot. I think he's missing a jacket. He's filthy. Yeah. He hasn't eaten in days. He's out of his mind delirious. Yeah. And the first thing he sees, Betsy Trotwood knocking people off of their donkeys in her front yard. Yeah, I did not get the donkey thing. Also, like, why are there so many donkeys in this movie? Like, I really would love to and know. And why do they keep wandering onto the Trotwood property? Right? Like, is there just, is like a donkey farm <laughs> somewhere? Like, I need to know. So strange. It is so, so bizarre. But as he arrives in Dover, he gets to kind of reacquaint himself with Betsy. And yeah. also her lodger. Mr. Dick. <laughs> and <laughs> I love Mr. Dick so much. Oh my. Well, played by the ex- extremely talented Hugh Laurie. Yes. Legend. Mr. Dick is obsessed with Charles I <laughs> because he believes that when Charles I was executed um, and his head cut off, that all of his troubled thoughts took up residence in Mr. Dick's own mind. <laughs> and uh, like David, he actually writes them down on paper, which is such an interesting sort of moment for David. He's He sees, he finally meets someone who's kind of like him in some way. Yeah, it was a really sweet moment of, oh, I'm not alone in my yeah. you know, particular habits. Um, yeah. And David is, I think, up until this point, looking for just a smidgen of acceptance. Yes. And that's like yeah. a turning point for him, I think, where he starts to see that although he had a very kind of rough start, maybe things are starting to go his way. Mm-hmm. And then there's this moment where very early on when he is living with, with Betsy um, and Mr. Dick, um, she wants to call him Trotwood. Yes. Trotwood Copperfield instead of David. And he's just like, oh, okay, sure. No, sure. Because he just, I think he just feels, you know, sort of like she's taken him in. She's, you know, and so, okay, sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you call me There's that. definitely an interesting uh, thread throughout the film about names and naming conventions. Mm-hmm. And I think it starts in the very, very beginning when his mother remarries and takes the Mur- yes. Murdwood last name. He gets very upset yes. that she's not Clara Copperfield after that. Yes, yeah. And yeah. I think he goes through sort of an identity crisis a little bit while he's in the factory. And so when Betsy takes him in, and she does so in her very weird way, but it's also very loving. Yeah. He goes, It is, yeah. All right, call me whatever you want as long as you take care of me and feed me because I – Need yeah. a home, please. Thank you. I need a home. Exactly. Oh, and then we have this like really like lovely moment with David and Mr. Dick, who David has this idea that he's going to help Mr. Dick clear his mind of all of these ch- thoughts owned by King Charles I um, by putting them onto a kite and flying them. And I just, it's such a wacky like wild moment in the movie but i just i really loved it so much it was adorable and i i love how many puns and jokes and and like funny little lines are crammed into this film which is obviously what dickens does best um Mm -hmm. but i i did love that interaction because it was just like one like quick you know quip after uh, another and it was yeah yeah, and definitely a testament to like the talent of both Dev Patel and Hugh yes. Laurie, who are able to play against each other and play off of each other so well. It's so good. Um, following that scene, we also get to meet two other very important characters, Mr. Wickfield, yes. who is Betsy's accountant, who is played mm-hmm. by Benedict Wong, who I just love. I think he's so fun. Um, yes. And then his daughter, Agnes played by Rosalind Elazar, which I I think I'm pronouncing correctly. Um, Mm -hmm. And immediately I was like, Agnes is a badass. I'm obsessed with her. Oh, she's the best. She's beautiful. She's funny. She's like immediately charmed by Mr. Dick. Like she is 
like immediately my favorite person in the entire movie. I know. I I know. She is so good. So what's interesting about that introduction is, you know, David and Agnes immediately hit it off and become friendly. And we also see that Mr. Wickfield likes his booze a little bit. And there's that incredible gag where like (laughs) the drink cart is in the globe the globe, and they're yeah. trying to oh. get Janet, who's Betsy's maid, to like secretly move it out of the room, but the glasses right. keep jiggling. And Mr. Yeah. Wickfield's like, "What's going on in there? What's going on in there?" And everyone's <laughs> trying to hide the booze from him because he he's got a little bit of an issue. He does. <laughs> One of the cutest moments is after Agnes and David and Mr. Dick are up in his room putting together more stuff on his kite. When they go running yes. out to fly the kite, Mr. Dick goes, Mr. Wickfield, don't you want some port? We have port. You love port. And he's like, I sure do love port. And he like flips. He's like, glow. I love it. And I love it. And he just keeps and going. And Betsy's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> exactly. And Agnes is just like, oh, well, we tried. <laughs> uh, so then... um. I guess Betsy has David admitted to a school for boys so he can continue his studies, basically. Yes, and I think this is where David really hopes that his luck will continue moving in this, like, positive direction and maybe he can find a way to become a gentleman because, right, like he says in the factory, I deserve more than this. I deserve better than this. It's him thinking that, like, okay, I'm going to start claiming these these things now, and I'm, and and his mother was sort of a lady, I guess. Yeah, I think sort she of. had some like she, sort of she, titling to her. Some sort of, yeah, I'm not really sure like what it was. But she definitely had. Why would that guy want to marry her? Yeah, so I think there was something there, but we don't ever really find out too much about what it was. We just know that he's kind of like, uh, you know, his mother was a lady, basically. So. I don't know if that actually quali- qualifies him as a gentleman, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he's he's got something. Yeah. There. But um, um so and yeah. that's that is where he meets James Steerforth, who is oh, I don't. How do we describe James? <laughs> I mean, he's a handful. Like a Victorian. Fuck yeah. Boy. Well, he's kind of like. Kind of. It's like he's a combination of like the class clown, but most popular guy. He's like very yeah. charming. Very rich. Very rich. He has a mean streak to him and he's very yeah. classist. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And you wouldn't really think that him and David would kind of like get along. Yeah. And I – I think David is very charming as well, but in, like, a different way. He's very, like, genuine and kind of just naturally, like, friendly and open and whatever. Yeah. He's very good at impressions. And, like, obviously we know this from the movie. And I think Steerforth kind of brings out the darker side of of his impression stuff. He does, yeah, a little bit. Not to put all of the blame on Steerforth. Obviously, David does it of his own free will, but we do start to see some sort of Mm -hmm. cattiness come out in their friendship, which I don't love. Like, that's a that was a hard part of the movie for me because I was like, David, you're being a dick. (laughs) Right. And then, yeah, and so that they kind of, you know, he makes fun of Uriah Heep, who works at the school, and he kind of like tells these story. David tells these stories about you know his life before he came to the school, and and he's like literally in the middle of telling them this story about living with the um, macabras, and who walks in to this school to the room as their new professor, but uh, Mr. Macabra. <laughs> talk about the school oh my god the school it's okay so it's this like school for boys yeah it's a like a you know finishing yeah. school or whatever they call but it it's yeah falling apart like when mrs strong who is the um headmistress of the school played by 
our favorite Anna Maxwell Martin from Death Comes to Pemberley. Um, that's another reason we chose this movie, I guess, you know. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. We um, were just, we've got lots of tie-ins. We're just like <laughs> letting you find them out as you go through the. Uh, but she, uh, she walks out to greet them and she's carrying like a bit of wall in her hand because like the wall fell <laughs> off. So it's this really funny uh, juxtaposition of like, you're going to this finishing school to become a gentleman, but you're literally in a piece of shit building that's like falling apart. Yeah. And it's just so, so bizarre to me. Um, but I love it. I think it's hilarious. It was. It was quite funny. And and so um, <laughs> there's – so let's – I just want to talk about Uriah Heep for a little bit. He a dazzling is, name for a dazzling human. Yeah. He is – at the start, like when we first are introduced to him, he's working sort of as like a – I don't know, like a porter, kind of yeah. like a, you know, or he works at the school. Um, his mother, I don't know if she actually works in the school, but anyway, he they live nearby, and um, he's kind of like also Mister Wickfield's clerk at the same time. He, like he does a bunch of. Things. I think he wants to be. He wants to move out of Mrs. Strong's school and become officially full-time mr wickfield's clerk oh i see so he's just like sort of helps him out once in a while okay so yeah so he invites he invites david to tea with his mother and it is (laughs) it is quite the event because at this point like we kind of we kind of don't really know we know david has been a little bit mean to uriah but uriah also seems like kind of stupid well, so like, or doesn't really like, you know, like he, I don't know. It's weird. It's, it's a, yeah. Uriah is a very interesting character because he's very polite, a little desperate. And you don't yeah. know if he's as dumb as he looks. Like you just don't know, like you don't, I don't know. He's like very untrustworthy from like the moment you see him. And like, you do feel bad. Yeah. I think like I, I felt pretty bad. I was like, David, yeah, be nice. You should course. be nice to everybody. Yeah. But then we quickly learn that Uriah Heep has some, uh, some like nefarious intentions. Yeah, he tries to blackmail David. So when David goes to tea, he basically tries to blackmail him with knowledge about David's past, which, you know, is not great. No. And so David kind of. I don't know what does he I, what I didn't really understand and this maybe this is just me I didn't really understand what he wanted from David so he knew that David had a close connection with the Wickfields okay okay so he just wanted him to help yeah so basically. Uriah wants to be able to get that job and David is like you're fucking mm. no you're fucking creeping me out dude I gotta get out of here like I, I love yeah. that line where he's like, I could throw this cake at you and like knock you down or whatever the yeah, line. Is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because the cake is like so terrible and so like burnt. <laughs> um, and then uh basically time skips ahead and David finds out that Uriah has been hired as an assistant to Mr. Rickfield um at his firm, and there is a farewell party at the boys' school. They finish school. Um, and they're they're going out into the world, basically. Yeah, so it's like a lot of things happen at once. Um, the boys grad graduate, I guess, is you know graduate. What you would, yeah, yeah. Even though I don't really think it sure. was like an actual matriculation or anything like that. No. And so we see, um, we meet James Steerforth's mother for the first time, and she's a raging asshole. Oh, she's she's like way worse and like you sort of understand like oh the apple did not fall far from the tree in terms of like thoughts yeah. on class and all that good stuff yep. you see betsy introducing david to a man named spenlow who has a law firm in london and yes. that's where david has been hired to be a proctor and then we meet dora spenlow and in the movie's creepiest casting decision the actress yes. uh morphid clark who plays clara copperfield is also cast to play dora spenlow the immediate love of david's life in that moment yeah it is very <laughs> weird like i would imagine that there is reference in the book 
to how maybe David believes she looks like his mother, I guess. I, it was a lot. I was like, what is happening? At first, I was like, what? She's not dead. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, no, no. I see what they did there. Yeah, I mean, all the props to uh, Marvin Clark because just she, she gave Dora a smidge of a weird voice and it like was... <laughs> It kind of helps. Yeah, it, it kind of helps, but also very edible. Very edible. <laughs> and I think uh, David gets so excited when he finds out that Dora is his future boss's daughter. And so he immediately goes yes. running back and he's like, I am so excited to work for you. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. And the guy's like, okay. <laughs> and then we fast forward to his time in London and no one seems to know what a proctor does, which is hilarious uh but he is a proctor and he's living in this apartment in the city and he has a a a whatchamacallit a allowance and he's like allowance living his life for like a very short period of time david is like doing all the damn things that he wants to do so he has a i guess she's like a maid or a housekeeper or something mrs krupp oh and she is played by sophie mcshara who is daisy from downton abbey oh how funny yeah so she plays daisy's the one who uh wants to be a chef in the downton abbey if you've seen that um so she plays this she plays this um it's not a very big role, but it's quite funny. She's quite funny in it, um, you know, and I, she just has this, like, cute little mousy face, but, like, she's kind of adorable in a way, so I, I just liked her, <laughs> and I love Downton Abbey, so <laughs> that's – I was like, oh, I know her. And I guess he – the allowance is from Aunt Betsy, yes, right? Yes, allowance. So that – on top of what he – on top of whatever he – I guess he's making as a proctor mm-hmm. – if he is even yeah, it's him. unclear um, if he's getting a salary <laughs> for his job. Um, unclear. Um, um, yeah. So he, so he's kind of like living the highlight. Yeah, and um, we we see at a certain point that what's his name comes back. Steerforth returns to London. Yes. Yeah. And they have yeah. a boys' night, and they get absolutely shammered. Yeah. It's a lot. And Steerhorn is like, I'm bored. Let's go to the theater. And they all show up drunk as skunks. And that's when he sees Agnes across the way from him in the audience. And she's like, oh, okay. And they meet in the hallway. And she looks good. Mm -hmm. Agnes looks good. And David is so good. Fucking drunk as hell. Oh my god, so he is like muttering, he's like falling over, he is having a a rough time. But that's when he finds out that Uriah Heep and his mother have moved in with the Wickfields and that Uriah is working quickly up his way to uh, being Mr. Wickfield's assistant future partner, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it is weird. And he, like, immediately stops. Like, he he doesn't use, you know, Agnes's, like, honorific. He just calls her Agnes now. And David notices immediately. Yeah. He's like, excuse me, how are you referring to her? Like, Mm-mm. yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I think, because, you know, he was earlier in the film, Uriah had been kind of trying to attempt to court Agnes. Um, and it was kind of like creepy, but, you know, whatever. But now um, it seems like it's a little bit slimy. Slimy. And it's, you know, it's a testament to Ben Wishaw who. Oh, my God. He, he just sort of shifts the body language a little bit. As we see him later, and he's, like, more confident, where he, like, sort of loses the hunch a little yeah. bit. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's manipulative AF, and I love every second of it, because Ben Wishaw's so good. Oh, yeah, he was so creepy the whole time. So Just, like, creepy. So creepy. To go from one creep to another. <laughs> In that night... David promises Steerforth that he will take him to Yarmouth. And so that conversation is sort of hanging over David's head when his Aunt Betsy unexpectedly turns up at his London apartment. 
with Mr. Dick and the kite. And the timing is horrendous because David is planning to propose to Dora. Yes, so David has decided he is going to propose to Dora and everything just goes real bad right away. Yeah, it's rough. Basically, Aunt Betsy tells him she's ruined uh, and she has no money and uh, nowhere to live and they've lost the house and basically they all have to go and live in this sort of don't know it's like this apartment but it is basically a slum. yeah it's like a one bedroom mat i don't know maybe like tiny tiny place in like a, a not so great part of london mm-hmm. and uh david can't understand what happens he's he just truly doesn't get it and he tries really hard to figure out what happened and he goes to wickfield and is like, what can we do? Can we get a loan? Mm-hmm. And Uriah Heap comes waltzing in and he's like, absolutely not. We cannot give you a loan. And that's when we find out that it is not just Wickfield. It is now Wickfield and Heap accountants. Crazy. It's so terrifying. And David tries to get to, to say to Agnes, like, what can we do? Is there anything that be that can be done and she's like no i think we're sort of beyond that now like yeah thank you so much for your help david but like yeah i think we're fucked yeah exactly because there was kind of like a moment where you thought you know at the when david was graduating there was like a moment where you thought maybe him and agnes had started to develop feelings for each other and i think she definitely had yes. like I think that was clear that she definitely had developed feelings for David mm-hmm. and I think perhaps David had in some way as well but then Dora <laughs> arrives on the scene With looking like his mother ridiculous and dog. yes and it was just like you know I don't know I guess so it's kind of just like well yeah you could have helped us a long time ago if we had like gotten married when you graduated and you know things could have been totally different so yeah it's kind of like you can definitely sort of feel that when she says you know I think it's too late she's not just talking about like Uriah um, being her father's partner but like there's also a hint that, like, she might have to marry yeah. him, which is gross. So gross. Um, but, of course, David makes a promise to steer forth. And <laughs> after they all get dumped into this slum, David's like, I got to go. <laughs> and he just leaves. Right. He's like, I can cancel. And Betsy's like, no, get out. Like, I don't. It's one less body in this room. So just, just go. go. Yeah, Exactly. And we see David and uh, Steerforth return to Yarmouth and they get to um, Peggotty's house. And it's not quite as bright and and delightful as David remembers, um, which is also an incredible mm-hmm. play on the visuals of the film to sort of like mm-hmm. mute it. But we get to see we get to see Peggotty's brother, uh, Ham and Emily, who are still not married. Though they've clearly been engaged for like 10 years. Again, the timing of the film is a little twitchy because Emily still looks 16 to me. (laughs) Like she and and Ham still looks like he's a 30-year-old man from back then. Yeah. (laughs) Like all Emily did was lose her little bonnet and suddenly she's a lady. Um, Yeah. But the interesting thing is that. David, who clearly was so concerned about what Steerforth was going to think of him, Steerforth like just dives right in and has like a joyful time in Yarmouth, and he's doing all of the um, like physical labor and patching things up, and like really enjoying himself in Yarmouth. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's kind of this wonderful moment where you're like, oh wow, like maybe Steerforth is not a terrible person. Like maybe he just he's a product of his environment. You know, like. Okay, maybe he just, you know, he actually, there's some good part of him. Until we get to the very end of their trip. 
and Steerforth and Emily have run away together. Ugh. And like, not for nothing, Emily. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, why has she not gotten married to this guy in, like, 12 years? Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does. none of it really makes sense. And part of me no. understands, like, all right, girl, like, if he's not going to put a ring on it, then you got to find someone who will. So might right, as well right, find right, a rich exactly. man. Exactly. Right. Make you a lady. Oi. But – which is what she says, but oh yeah. So everyone kind of goes crazy looking for Emily and Steerforth, and they basically find find out that they got on a boat. Yeah, and they have and left. Yeah, and maybe they were in Paris, and maybe they're in London, but no one really knows for sure. So no, David returns to London, and he's like, oh, "What am I gonna do? Like, I don't understand what to do." And he, mm-hmm. like, accidentally gets engaged to Dora. <laughs> I think he, yeah. he, like, goes to tell her that he's poor and it's not going to work out. And she's like, it's okay. She's like, oh, I know what you're going to ask me. And yes. Yeah. And he's like, oh, uh, well, and then that's yeah. it. <laughs> and it's like a lot of kind of uh, ridiculous things happen in a very short period of time, right? So he's like yeah. engaged to Dora, even though there's nothing that he can do to support her. Um, he's living with Mr. Dick and Betsy. And so they're trying to figure out some sort of situation there. And then mm-hmm. they find the uh, Macabre family living on the streets. Right. And he's lost his... Um, concertina and so david and mr dick help him get it back and the three of them have this like fun experience so campy (laughs) i just loved it so much it was so cute but then they run into peggotty on the streets and she's like oh we're here we think that emily might be in london um this is what you do for the people that you love in your life Mm-hmm. And that's when David is like, okay, um, Mr. McCauver, do you want to come live in my slum in London? Because you yeah. put me up for years. Let me do the same for you. And so yeah. we have Mr. Dick, Betsy, David, Mr. and Mrs. McCauver, and their children that never age. Yeah, like what the The fountain hell? of youth babies that have been four. What? Children of the corner. years. What the hell? <laughs> We're so living fucked up in this house like so weird like do they just keep having children like it's i don't understand <laughs> it's very weird and so in this sort of chaotic moment david is like oh i guess i should write this down should i write this down mm-hmm. and betsy's like you are gonna write this down do something with this miserable moment please existence that we have please. yeah yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he starts kind of like writing a little bit of stuff and and then um they I guess Agnes comes to them, yes. right? So as he's sort of like writing about all of his history, he gets to the sort of present moment and that's when it sort of jumps back and forth to like, is he writing or is it happening? Or is it happening because he's writing mm-hmm. and you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really like fun meta moment, but apparently in the background, Agnes has been trying to figure out what the hell happened to her father's firm. And she mm-hmm. realizes that Heap has been forging signatures and embezzling money. Right. Specifically Betsy's money. Yeah, which like was she an easy mark in his eyes or was he like, I don't like David, so I'm going to fuck over his entire family? Well, that's what I kind of like, yeah, you don't really quite know, but you it's definitely possible. Yeah. Like he really, really does not like David. And I think, you know, for multiple reasons. And I think that, yeah, you don't really know, but it, it doesn't really matter because he's just like so terrible. Yeah. Um. So then like a bunch of stuff kind of like happens. They... Basically, find they have like a letter that they find out, you know, but he's been forging these signatures, like you said. And then um, Wickfield fires Uriah from the firm. 
Um, and then Dora calls off her engagement with David, you know, asking him in this really sort of sweet moment. Yeah. He's trying to write her into his book and she's like, I'm not supposed to be here. She's like, you know, I don't belong in this story. And and so basically telling him to sort of write her out of the book. Yes. I which I thought it was a really great the way it was filmed, I thought was just so interesting. I loved that moment because up until that point, Dora felt really ditzy and sort of just like, I don't know, was she grasping anything that was happening in the entire film? Yes, yeah. Did it yeah. make her really self-aware in that point? was a good save i think on that character yeah because i think so i think so she could have been such a stereotype but to have her be like no dude i don't think this is working um was awesome i Mm -hmm. loved that yeah absolutely uh and then um they find emily yes who is actually in london and has been in london for quite some time um after steerforth abandoned her in france um, but he's supposed to be returning to Yarmouth uh, the next day, which is like such a weird sort of like, what? I, okay. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely some movie magic to have that shake out yeah. the way it did. Right, exactly. And this is this is another, there's like a handful of scenes that are extremely dark, but kind of played in like a theatrical way to sort of like lighten it a little bit. And this is definitely one of them because we find out that Steerforth is returning, but everyone is like, oh no, the storm is so bad. Like, this is suicide. Like, do not, you know, like, do not mm-hmm. do this. And there's this really, gr- like, incredible moment where Steerforth is the only one on this wrecked boat in the middle of the ocean. And Ham, who should, like, hate this dude and does a little bit because he stole Emily from him. Um, he swims out and risks his life to try and save Steerforth because he's like, I don't want anyone getting hurt. Like, that's not who I am. Exactly. Um, yeah. Steerforth refuses to be rescued and drowns. Yeah, he lets himself be, like, taken by a wave, which is... Yeah, it's... It's kind of... I mean, he's he's definitely the most tragic character in the film, and... Yeah, you do see a lot of really kind of introspective moments with him where you can tell something's a little off and like, mm-hmm. you know, is he really as happy as he is? You know, is he putting on this front to sort of, I don't know, get people off his back or whatever. And I think the moment where he runs away with Emily to the moment he leaves her in France, it's like everything is crumbling down. And so mm-hmm. I think on that boat, he's like, oh, what do I have left? And he just lets himself right, be taken yeah. away, which is right. really fucks David up for a hot minute. It does. It really does. And then, you know, his mother's there and Emily's there and they're both crying. And But it's also in that moment that David realizes that he's actually in love with Agnes, which I'm so happy about. Because it's like, like duh, we're duh. really hoping, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's so I was like, good. man, she is right there. She is a catch. Like, right? Get on exactly. It. I know. So, David finishes writing his book. Um, it's published. It has great success critically, financially. Um, and we sort of have this lovely little, like, epilogue where you see that David has bought the house back um, for um, Betsy and Mr. Dick, to, and they've moved back in. But then you also see that he lives there, too, with Agnes and their daughter. And, you know, we see that, you know, Mr. Macabre is there and he's, you know, maybe trying not to- so down on his luck. <laughs> but he's still um, trying to get some dollars from David. He's still trying to, yeah, he's still trying to yeah get whatever he can. And it was just, like, such a great way to, like, wrap up the movie. I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, and what I, I loved especially is that he is reading – his book out loud to an entire theater of people. So like, even though that was something he could not do for most of his life, he like got it together and was able to sort of like overcome that. And, you know. Yeah. Cause it was in his own words, which was, you know, he he was having trouble reading other people's words out loud, but he could, he could read his own words, which was so just so well done. Like, I mean, it's Dickens, of course, like I shed a tear or two. I know. You know. Honestly, I did too. It's so great. 
Well, I'm glad we picked this movie because I, even though it's not Regency, I feel like it's, it's enough of like in, it's in the 1800s people. Okay. I feel like that counts. (laughs) And like, I just thought it was really fun. It was a really fun movie. It was kind of like, it's kind of, it has the same kind of like, you know, it has dark moments. It has funny moments. So I think it was a good choice. Oh, I'm so happy we did this because I hadn't seen it yet and it forced me to finally watch it and I really liked it and I'm so sad that it was sort of released because I think technically it was released in 2019 but it also came to streaming in 2020 and I think the pandemic sort of made things a little funky for it and I don't think it I think it was only filmed in 2019 yes I I think I think it came out in 2020 and it was like yeah no Um, no one it kind of just got lost in that sort of first wave of the pandemic which is too bad because it's Dev Patel is very excellent oh. in it. He's an excellent actor. He's an excellent narrator. Like, whoo boy, give me a romance novel. Yes. Read by Dev Patel. Yes. Please and thank you. <laughs> Incredible. Um, speaking of romance novels, good segue, Jenny. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, to go in a completely different direction of the personal yeah, totally history different. of David Copperfield. Our book of the week is The Worst Guy by Kate Canterbury. Oh, actually, I think it's Worst Guy, not The Worst Guy. No, I think it's The Worst. I'm looking at it right now. It's The Worst Guy. Is it? Is it The Worst Guy? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I I really thought Brie kept calling it Worst Guy, and I was like, what a weird title. So dumb. Ignore me. You made me nervous. I was like, damn, is the internet lying to me? Oh my God, you're fine. Um, So the worst guy is a, (laughs) I think I read it in like, I don't know. What do I do? I pick up a book, I black out and I read it in like six hours. Girl, you read it like maybe (laughs) you started it one night. No, you read it in one day. I think I read it in one day. I think you read it in one day. No, you read it in one day. You read it on Sunday. You read the whole thing on Sunday. It was a weekend day. I didn't have anything going on. (laughs) Because I had started it like Friday. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Like, because Brie had told us about it when she was on the podcast last week. And we were like, okay, let's both read it. And so I had started it. And I was like, oh, this is really good. You should probably read it. Like, you should read it so we can talk about it. Um, And then you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to read it. And then I think, I don't know, something, we got busy or whatever. I got busy on Saturday. And then all of a sudden it was like midday Sunday. And you're like, I've almost done the book. I was like, what the hell? You're past where I am. And I started three days ago. I left you. <laughs> you really did. You truly did. Uh, all right. So to reiterate, because I know Bree did sort of give like a little background. The worst yeah. guy. Uh, here's the synopsis. Sebastian Stremmel doesn't need another headache. He has enough of his own without Sarah Shapiro, a noisy new reconstructive surgeon, stomping around a surgical wing with her chippy, chirpy cheerfulness. It is forced proximity, enemies to lovers. It's workplace dynamics. It's got some of the funniest banter and bickering I have ever read. I was oh yeah it's just deliriously laughing during certain scenes Kate Canterbury's dialogue is chef's it's like seriously delightful uh so freaking and her her heroes are (laughs) um beyond like they're like they're so it's some of the best like character work Mm -hmm. that I have read in a long time like really really great Sebastian is great even like the other characters in the book like the side characters that have been had their own (laughs) books in previous because the worst guy is the last book in the series they're great in their own like in their own right very fleshed Um, out universe and obviously Kate who is a very prolific writer uh I think almost Almost all of her books, and she's got double-digit book numbers going. They're all sort of in- interconnected, so um, yeah, everything feels so fully fleshed out. It's great. 
It is. And there's, it's kind of, you you know, so they're two surgeons, so you kind of get that, like, Grey's Anatomy feel, but it's, like, way better than, like, any Grey's Anatomy episode ever. No goddamn post-it notes, <laughs> no goddamn bombs, like, no one falling off a cliff. Like, it is, it's really just, like, you know, there isn't too much happening in, like, you, there's no, there's not a lot of, like, medical talk, no. for sure. Uh, but it's just really, like, fun and, like, you know, I think I know that there <laughs> there was like some almost like discourse, but like there was some like p- some people like weren't as happy with Sarah, the heroine, as they were with Sebastian, the hero. And I think like I, I feel like Sarah's character, like you by the end of the book, you understand why she's done the things that she did. Yeah. It's like, and if the character, if, if, if the, if Sebastian is willing to accept that and be like, yeah, I'm okay with that. Then like, as the reader, I think you also have to accept it. But like, at the same time, you're just like a little bit like, but why, why would you do that? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But I still loved it. You know what I mean? But why, (laughs) why would you do that to him? to this perfect hero that I love to read about. Well, I mean, that's the rub, right? Like you, I don't know. It's very rare to get two leads where you're just absolutely obsessed with both of them. For me, it's like Mm -hmm. almost impossible where I'm like, oh yeah, I love you both. You're great. Most of them read a romance and I'm like, you're a 10 out of 10 and you're like a six out of 10. That's how I feel about your personalities. Um, Yeah. But this one really worked for me and I am now a total Kate canterbury fan and i think i've read like a ton of her books since then so i know and it's tuesday (laughs) just for anyone keeping track (laughs) i don't have to explain myself to anybody i'm just very jealous (laughs) i'm just very jealous what happens when you have kindle unlimited and you sometimes read during work meetings Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm here for it. <laughs> I like again, like like Brie recommended last week. We both definitely recommend that you check out this book, "The Worst Guy" by Kate Canterbury. Uh, I just want to note one thing, just in terms of content yes. warnings. There is a lot of discussion about disordered eating, and it's just something that you probably want to be aware mm-hmm. of fully agree before you go into the book because yeah. <laughs> it's there is a significant part of the book I yeah would say. it's it's a formative part of the plot and so it's definitely important to call out for sure yeah i mean it does it does not take away from the book at all like i i wouldn't say that um but i just like i think you need to know going in that that's that's there um just in case because I think it could be some of the stuff that's talked about could be a little bit triggering for some yeah. people. Yeah, fully agree. <sighs> well, Daria, we are only two weeks away from Bridgerton. I know. Can you believe it? No. I actually think we're getting the full-length trailer this week. I think so. Yeah, I think we are. Also, Daria, in three hours... Not that we will be awake because it will be 3 a.m. for yeah, us. Pity. <laughs> but in, th- in three hours, the season five of The Last Kingdom will drop. I'm, I'm on Netflix. I cannot believe that we went from begging Netflix for a release date to now it's here. Yeah, it's been like a month. I'm beside maybe. myself. I know exactly what i'm doing this week i know it's true um because i was talking to my husband and he was like so are we watching it together (laughs) or and i was like yeah of course we're watching it together i was like i'm definitely going to watch all of it once probably without you but then we'll definitely watch it together (laughs) and he's like well you're not gonna want to watch it and i was like Oh yes, I will. Oh, you're sweet. <laughs> I sweet summer child. Will, exactly. I will definitely have to watch this season like at least three or four times. Well, yeah, because this, this is, is it. it, and then we're gonna have to wait. The last I don't one. Know how long for the movie to come out? 
yeah, it'll probably be next year sometime, I'm assuming. They're filming right now, so I'm assuming that it will probably be next year. And again, we won't find out until like two weeks before Netflix will be like, woo, here's a movie. <laughs> it's just going to drop. Secret midnight release. Those ridiculous. Fuckers. Who do they think they are? Beyonce? <sighs> Come on. Rude. Honestly. Well, folks, we're counting down to Bridgerton. Um, we will be finalizing yes. the semi-final winner. Oh, sorry. The semi-final. I don't know. What was the word? Daria, help me. I'm struggling. The people in the semifinals for our bracket. Is there a word for that? Semifinalists? Semifinalists. Thank you. Wow. Yikes. Yikes, guys. It is quarter after midnight. And my brain I is. I wish stopped. you guys could see my face because I was just staring at Jenny, like, I don't know what you're saying. What are you saying? <laughs> I think you're saying it. <laughs> the semifinalists for our Darcy bracket should be out. By the time you listen to this episode. Yes, in fact, by the time you listen to this episode, we should be tallying the final finalists. Fi- the yes. final list. That is not a plural because there's <laughs> literally only supposed to be one winner. We need to end this podcast. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around with us tonight, everybody. You don't know that it's after midnight, but we know it's after midnight as we record this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you want to check out our old episodes um you can listen to us recap season two of ted lasso you can listen to us recap season two of the witcher we've got some movies and you can listen to our countdown to bridgerton episodes that have already aired including austin land and death comes to pemberley with our friend the hea apologist brie at www.hotelvicarious.com or you can email us and let us know what was with all the donkeys (laughs) in david copperfield it's hotelvicarious at gmail.com and you can talk to us on socials instagram twitter and facebook at hotel vicarious if you guys feel so inclined you can rate us review us please do not feel inclined to leave anything negative about us because you'll just make us cry a little bit and you don't want to do that um we just want gold stars But we very much appreciate you listening. So thank you for checking into Hotel Vicarious and we hope you enjoyed your stay. Bye.